I beseech you by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrificial victim holy pleasing unto God your reasonable service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost Amen Dear Brother Cassian I said to you the other day that you ought to spend the week attentive to the liturgical providence of God and listening each day with the ear of your heart to those words that the Lord during this week is charging full with grace for you. And it is in this perspective that I want to meditate today's Holy Mass, the Mass of the Sunday within the octave of the Epiphany. If you're looking for it, dear friends, in your Missal, you have to look past the Holy Family and go to the next Mass in your Missal, the Mass for the Sunday within the octave of the Epiphany. And there you will find the texts for today's Holy Mass. The Mass opens with this, what shall I call it, a kind of visionary intro, isn't it? Upon a high throne, I saw, Vidi, I saw a man sitting, whom a multitude of angels adore, singing together, Behold him, the name of whose empire is forever. This eschatological, by that I mean heavenly, and altogether divine and liturgical vision complements all that we celebrated and sang yesterday in the Mass and Office of the Epiphany of the Lord. Yesterday in the introit we sang, Behold the Lord, the ruler is come. He is here, and the kingdom is in his hand, and power, and dominion. And today's introit, in some way, continues and fulfills the introit of yesterday's Mass. This should not surprise us, because today's Mass is that of the Sunday within the octave. And we should look, then, for a kind of filling out of what we were given to contemplate yesterday. And so today, upon a high throne, the Epiphany, of course, is the original feast of Christ the King. People tend 
to lose sight of this, especially since the institution of the modern feast of Christ the King. In some way, uh, that cast a shadow over the original feast of Christ the King, the Epiphany, and of course that other feast of Christ the King, the Ascension of the Lord, about which I shall say nothing today, saving that for later on in the liturgical year. Upon a high throne I saw a man sitting. It is Christ the King, whom a multitude of angels adore, singing together. This multitude of angels evokes the apparition of Knock, does it not, in 1879. When people consider the event at Knock, they do so often focusing on the apparition of the Mother of God. Sometimes, failing to turn their gaze to that other panel, I want to say, of the apparition, that is the immolated lamb standing upon the altar, the cross, and a multitude of angels circling in a kind of heavenly dance around the altar and the Lamb. That is evoked in today's intro it, whom a multitude of angels adore, singing together, behold him, which means look at him. The name of whose empire, of whose kingdom, is forever. And so, dear son, this introit invites you to turn your gaze to Christ the King. The collect has us formulate a wise petition. O Lord, we beseech thee, mercifully hear the prayers of thy people who call upon thee. So begins the college. Good enough for a start. But what is the petition of today's college? And grant that they may both perceive what they ought to do. Did you get that? Perceive what they ought to do and may have grace and strength to do it, to carry it out, to fulfill the same. So the petition of today's collect has two parts. We ask, first of all, that we may see what we ought to do. Then, seeing it, be given the strength to actually do it. It is not enough to see. One can see and in some way be impeded from doing by fear, by anxiety, by human weakness, by all sorts of real and imaginary setbacks. And this is why the Church wisely 
joins to the petition to see the petition to have the strength to carry out what we see we ought to do. And this too, I think, dear son, corresponds to your prayer this week. Then we come to the epistle. Now this epistle is remarkable in that it speaks of the priestly and victimal vocation of every Christian. We are, by baptism, brought into the exercise of a royal priesthood. And as soon as we utter the word priest, we must necessarily look to the victim and the altar. And St. Paul, the language is almost that of the letter to the Hebrews here. St. Paul is addressing the Romans. And what does he say to them? I beseech you, obsequobos, one almost has the image of Paul, kind of getting on his knees with his hands like this, and saying, I beg you, obsequobos, I beseech you, by the mercy of God, by the mercy of God you have received and by the mercy of God that is in store for you. I beseech you by the mercy of God that you present your bodies. Now this word present has a very particular meaning in this text. It's the word used to refer to the placing of the victim sacrificial victim, the living offering set apart for immolation upon the altar. It refers to the placing of the victim upon the altar. That's the meaning of that word present here. And we know that for St. Benedict, this is the key to understanding monastic profession. We know this because in chapter 58 of the Holy Rule, he describes the unfolding of the rite before the altar. And he has the monk sign the instrument, the document of his profession there. And we know also that in the chapter on the oblates of the monastery, he indicates that the little boy being offered, a pure offering, this little child being offered to God by his parents, that the little boy should be brought to the altar and that his hand should be wrapped in the corporal, thereby identifying him with the bread and the wine placed on the altar in view of the holy sacrifice. So we see that for St. Benedict, monastic profession has this sacrificial, victimal quality. And the Apostle says, I beseech you by the mercy of God that you present your bodies 
your very selves, a living sacrifice. Hostium viventem sanctum. A living sacrifice, holy, pleasing unto God. And then he says, translated here, your reasonable service. The Latin has rationabile obsequium vestum. This reasonable is an approximate rendering of the Greek, which the Latin gives as rational, but the meaning of the Greek is conformed to the logos, conformed to the word. And so it's another way of saying, in effect, what our Lord said to the Samaritan woman at the well concerning adoration in spirit and in truth. This uh, reasonable service, service here, is that of which I spoke this morning in chapter. It is the liturgical service, the service at the altar. When we use this word service here, it means the service, the sacerdotal service at the altar. And so, dear son, you're given this wonderful text today about putting yourself on the altar, about allowing yourself to be identified with the very worship offered by the Word, the Logos, to the Father from all eternity. Which worship finds a perfect manifestation in the sacrifice of the cross, which sacrifice is renewed in an unbloody manner on the altar. So all of that is contained and suggested in this sentence of the Apostle. And then concerning the vow that you will make on next Saturday of conversatio morum, the Apostle says, and be not conformed to this world, which means don't let yourself be shaped by the world, but be reformed in the newness of your mind, but be reshaped, made anew, that you may prove, the prove here means that you may experience, that you may taste what is the good. Oh, I've tasted this and I can tell you it's good, it's very good. And the acceptable, oh this is acceptable, and the perfect will of God, this has the savor of the will of God. All of this in the epistle for you today. Of the gospel I shall take only one sentence. A sentence in the mouth of the word. And what a sentence. 
Jesus at the age of 12, answers his mother's question. Our Blessed Lady says, Son, a motherly reproach? Why hast thou done so to us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. A word coming right out of the Immaculate and Eternal Heart of Mary. And he said to them, meaning to our Blessed Lady and to Saint Joseph, have you ever realized this? That we are given here a conversation of the Holy Family. This is, in effect, the only instance in the Gospels in which we are allowed to listen in on a conversation of the Holy Family. And what is the conversation about? Listen. Did you not know all oh, this English translation is completely inadequate. All the English translations fall short here. This one has, Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's not it at all. Nesie batis quia inquis, quae patris mei sunt. O portet me esse. How shall I render that? Did you not know that I must make myself over to all that is my father's? My father's will my father's design, my father's desire. In fact, in this one little phrase from the Gospel of St. Luke, we are given all that St. John gives us in the fourth Gospel from beginning to end. The fourth Gospel reveals the relationship of the Son with the Father from first page to the last the Son and the Father, the Father and the Son. What St. John gives throughout his Gospel, St. Luke condenses into this one little sentence, easily passed over. Did you not know that I must, yes, some translations have be about, but it's more than that I must give myself to, make myself over to all that is my Father's. And that, dear son, is essentially what a monk says on the day of his profession. I must make myself over to all that my Father wills and desires.
to the designs of my Father upon my life. And the monk does this as Jesus did it. Jesus made himself over to all that was his Father's by stretching himself out on the wood of the cross. And the monk does it by placing himself upon the altar of the Holy Sacrifice. The altar upon which is renewed, as I said, in an unbloody manner, that perfect offering of the Son, priest and victim, to the Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.